You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. Or Joseph. All right. Well, if you have your Bibles tonight, we will be in Colossians chapter number 4. Colossians chapter number 4, we got a week or two left here in Colossians, and Lord willing, we'll be going on to 1 Thessalonians, so looking forward to that. Colossians chapter number 4, please, tonight. And we're going to be, uh, it's, it's really a continuation of my last sermon on Wednesday night, uh, at, when I was talking about winning those that are without. This is a continuation of that, but we're calling this one Walking, Talking, and Winning Others. The key to this closing section is Colossians chapter 4, verse number 5, and notice what it says, Walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time. And uh, we'll pause right there for prayer. Father, just please help us as we look into your word tonight, God, to take these practical applications and uh, and truly apply them to our lives, God. Help us to have knowledge, but then help us to apply that knowledge uh, and thus walk in wisdom, Lord. So we'll thank you for that, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, the, the phrase that we're honing in on here on this last little section is the, the, them that are without, he says there in verse number five. And boy, that's a really sad statement and a, and a sad category to be in tonight. Oh, them that are without. Jesus first used that expression in Mark chapter 4, verse 11, when he said unto them, Unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables. Thus the Lord drew a line. And he says, there's those of you that are within you're in the know, you're in Christ, you're in grace, but then there are those that are without, those that do not know Christ, those who do not know the, the, the free pardon of sin. And I want to tell you, that is a cold and terrible place to be, isn't it? We've all been there at some point without, uh, without Christ, without God, without hope, without peace. Uh, that's where these people, and, and it goes all the way to the closing part of the apocalypse uh, of, in the Bible, where the Bible, in Revelation 22, John draws the line for the very last time. He described the bliss of those who are within. He says, those who have, uh, those who have access to the celestial city, and here's what he says, and to the tree of life they may enter in through the gates into the city. So he makes a solemn contrast to those that are without. He says, for without. For without are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. So the final line drawn from those that are without. So what <laughs> during our time here, we need to be considering them 
who are without, those that we know that do not know Christ the Savior. That ought to be, by the grace of God, that ought to be at the forefront of every one of our minds as a Christian. Do you know anyone who is without, without salvation, without Christ, without hope? They may be religious, they may, be, they may not be without morals, but they may be without Christ. We know many people that way. And may God help us to prioritize that, the, the, the reaching them that are without and trying to get them in. Uh, God bless you. And I, I appreciate, you know, Dory was mentioning today, we got the, we got the East, uh, inv- inviting people to Easter. We got those connection cards. We've got another set of connection cards out there, too, just to invite to regular services. Then on the back, again, is the plan of salvation. And that's wonderful because one of the great ways to get people to Christ is often to get them in church. Uh, I, I think the numbers still uh, kind of hash out to where most people who come to Christ come to Christ in church. However, may God just help us to be witnesses to them who are without. May God help us to put ourselves in their position. I, I've told you this before, but uh, after I got saved, one of the very first people who God put on my heart, someone who was without, someone who didn't know Christ, was my mom. My mother wasn't saved. So I began to pray for my mom to come to Christ. And, and honestly, the, the way, and I didn't just say, you know, uh, oh, yeah, it's Wednesday. I guess I'll pray for my mom. It wasn't just something I would mention every once in a while. Daily, I was praying for my mom and I was burdened for my mom. And, 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 and if there was any times where I wasn't feeling as concerned about this person that I love, my mother, uh, I would literally try to, I would close my eyes in prayer and I would try to envision where she is going. I was trying to envision her destiny, that if she doesn't accept Christ, she's going to spend eternity in the lake of fire, my mom. And I'm trying to envision that. And, uh, and, and, and it may sound weird to you, but I, I draw sometimes uh, when I'm studying or when I'm praying, and, and I would draw the flames, and I would just try to remind myself. And on my prayer list right now, when it gets to the part of my prayer list that I'm praying for the, the unsaved, uh, I have them under the heading, lost, without Christ, on their way to hell. I'm just trying to remind myself, number one, their ultimate eternity, but also I want to try to think about where they are right now. Those that are without, they don't have the hope and the peace. They may put on a, a good front, but they don't have, they're without hope. They're not just without Christ, but because of that, they're without hope and peace and, and that wonderful relationship, the forgiveness of sins. So that's why Jesus said we need to be, um, that we are the light of the world. So, uh, and, and listen, the only hope for the lost and dying around us is you and me. We're the people that are going to win them to Christ. We are their opportunity to be saved. And so it, we, we've got a tremendous job, but God has provided us with some tremendous resources. And he gives us a couple of those. We spent time on this one two weeks ago uh, when we talked about how we're to be prayerful in character. Look at verses 2 and 4. It says, Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving, with all praying also for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I also am in bonds. And again, I'll just pause to remind you, Paul is in bonds, which means what? What is Paul saying by saying, I'm in bonds? He's chained up because he's in prison. Because he's having a bad day, you could say. He's having some bad days. He's having some bad years. 
earthly speaking. But he's not saying, his number one request is, man, y'all pray for me. I'm getting sick of being locked up. Y'all pray for me. I, 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 I'm sick of being a prisoner. I'm sick of being, uh, you know, uh, having a minimal amount of food that's given to me on a regular basis. And, and, and I'm sick of this, this lot. He didn't say that. He said, man, I want y'all to pray for me that God will give me utterance. In other words, that God will give me the right words to say. Now, remember, he's not getting to talk to all that many people. Uh, but he wants to have the right words to say to that Roman guard that he's chained to and whoever else he may be able to encounter there in Caesar's household. Um, and so he said, man, y'all pray for me. So uh, if, if we are to win those that are without, uh, we are to be prayerful in our character. Continue in prayer. The Bible says pray without ceasing. So we've got to be in a constant attitude of prayer. Why? Because we do lose focus. We forget that the people that we're hanging around aren't saved. And so we forget how their great need. And, and if you're not careful, you know, I think a lot, you know, a lot of times I address the teenagers, but to me, the teenagers, there's so many things that they encounter that we all encounter. And that is sometimes if we're not careful, we can look at the people around us that almost maybe act like they want to feel sorry for Christians and stuff like that. Now, they can feel sorry for religious people if they want to, but, but you don't need to feel sorry for me as a Christian because I'm a child of God, man. I know Jesus Christ. And, but, but, but when they look at us and they're just like, oh, like you're missing out because you're not living this sinful lifestyle, you need to, you need to, get, it, you need to get your mind right and understand you're not the one missing out. They're the ones missing out. They're the ones who don't know Christ. They're the ones that though they're putting on this big front, Deep down inside, they're lonely. Deep down inside, they're hurting. Deep down inside, they're empty. And as a teenager and as adults as well, we need to recognize that. And so if we walk in prayer, if we continue in prayer, it'll help us to recognize that. And it'll also help us to uh, lay hold on the power that comes with prayer. So we continue in prayer. But he says continue in prayer and watch. Watch means to keep awake, to be vigilant, to wake to be watchful. Now, I'm not going to belabor this, but you'll keep this in mind when we get to the next point. We need to be. We need to watch. We need to be vigilant. We need. To, we need to be uh, aware and, and awake about what's going on around us, in the situations we're in, and what's going on in the world. But he says, continue in prayer also with thanksgiving. So that ought to describe us. And of course, that's basically was the message from two weeks ago. But now we're going to get into not only should we, be, uh, should we be prayerful in our character, but we also need to be prudent in our conduct. In other words, we need to walk in wisdom. Verse 5 says, walk in wisdom toward them that are without. And again, that's the key to this closing section. Walk in wisdom toward them that are without. That's a great challenge, isn't it? And I just want to uh, say, first of all, I think one of the first places to put this into context is he just got through talking about wives, husbands, children, workers, and bosses. I think that we need to walk toward wisdom in our homes. If we, Number one, we need to do it with whether we got people in our families that are saved or, or lost. But if you have an unsaved person in your family, we need to walk in wisdom toward that person. We need to walk in wisdom toward those that we work with, toward our bosses, if we're bosses, toward those that work for us. We need to walk in wisdom toward those. I, I thought of a good example of this. 
Sometimes what we think we ought to do isn't what we think we ought to do. Uh, and I, I was thinking about this. Have you ever known, or maybe you've been in this situation, have you ever known wives that have an unsaved husband, so therefore they preach to their husbands all the time? Um, and maybe they nag, can I say that, their husbands all the time? And they're not going to treat their husband with any respect unless he, but because he's not a Christian and because of the way he's living? Can I tell you, that is not walking in wisdom. That is not walking in wisdom. Now, it's done. The, the, the motivation is right and the heart is right. But here's the Bible in 1 Peter 3, 4, just to give you an example of this. 1 Peter 3, 4. I'll turn over there. Uh, where the Bible says, but let it be, and this is how uh, uh, that we can win, uh, it tells women that they can win their husbands, uh, but let it be of a hidden man of the heart, which, uh, is, which not of the corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God a great price. Um, and, and, you, and you read down through this section and you find out that it's honestly even though it don't seem like it, it's through prayer and quiet, a quiet spirit and love and continuing to show respect toward a husband, that's, that's walking in wisdom toward an unsaved, pers- uh, unsaved husband that will help him to come to Christ. Um, now, I want you to help me with this part, okay? I want you to help me tonight through this first little section. Walk in wisdom toward them that are without. Uh, somebody give me a good definition of wisdom. You got a good definition of wisdom? I, I've got one. I've got one I've heard. See, have you heard something along these lines that wisdom is the application of knowledge? You know, so it's, it's one thing to know something, but then when, when you can put that into knowledge and understanding, that's wisdom. Um, so wisdom. Walk in wisdom toward them that are without. I wrote down a few things here, and I want to just get your thoughts on this. Because to me, this is a, there's, a, there's a balanced walk here that we need to have as God's people when it comes to walking in wisdom. And I thought about a few things here. I wrote a couple things down. The first thing I wrote down was this, being relatable without being sacrilegious. Being relatable without being sacrilegious. Um, we don't use that word sacrilegious very often, but you could say being relatable without being a rebel. How about that? In other words... Showing compassion, being a friend of sinners without becoming a partaker uh, with sinners. How can I, on my job or at school or in my home, how can I live according to the Word of God and I'm trying to live a holy life and I'm trying to live right? How can I live that life without acting like I'm better than other people? I don't want to do that. I don't want to go around acting like, you know, that, that, that the thought of sin hasn't crossed my mind in 20 years or something. I want to be relatable. You know, I believe as God's people, we need to be relatable. But we don't need to be rebels. In other words, some people say, I mean, I want to be transparent with people. I want to be real with people. But some people cross the line and go from being relatable to where they feel like one of the ways they're going to show Try to be relatable toward the unsaved and try to show them, hey, I don't think I'm better than you. Listen to what I can say. And then they just start, you know, cursing or telling a dirty joke. See, I'm a regular person too. Well, we're, we're crossing a line there. 
I want to be relatable in not acting like I'm something super spiritual or anything. And, and, and that, yes, there's things that you do that I do not do, but I don't re- refrain from doing these things because I think I'm better than you. Not at all. I just, this is, this is something that, that, that God says, and so this is something we're doing. Um, so, so being relatable without being rebellious, so to speak. Uh, being a friend of sinners. I, uh, we, we, we need to be friends of sinners. We really do, being relatable. But we don't need to cross into where we are sinning. Right? So you get what I'm trying to say? Being, being relatable without being rebellious, without rebelling against the Word of God. Uh, Jen's given, she's told this, and she's given me permission. Uh, at least I'm taking it as that. But, uh, but she, she, she told me of a time that she was struggling with this thing about being relatable. Uh, and there were some folks giving her a hard time about not drinking. You know, and, uh, and it was just after, it was after uh, you know, a ball game or something with the kids. Uh, long story short, she said, okay, fine, I'll show you. And so she gets out a beer bottle, and uh, somehow or another she ends up, in, in short order, breaking the bottle and cut, slicing her hand open. But she was going to, she thought she was going to show them, okay, you don't, you, you don't think I'm relatable, I'm going to show you I'm relatable. But the beer bottle buster or whatever, beer glass busted, cut her hand. It's a pretty funny story. But that really can be a struggle. Has anybody been there? Some of you are looking at me funny. Has anybody been there like, I want to be relatable, but I don't want to be a rebel? You know what I'm saying? Okay, so walking in wisdom toward them that are without. Uh, and some of these may overlap a little bit, but uh, being relatable without being a rebel, uh, being holy, this kind of goes together, being holy without being holier than thou. What do you think of when you think of somebody that's holier than thou? What, what's, that, what's the idea of somebody being holier than thou? Yeah, nose in the air. I mean, it's kind of what it sounds like. I'm better than you. Man, as God, listen, as Christians, we ought not walk around like we think we're better than other people. We really shouldn't. Uh, we need to live holy lives. We need to live pure lives. Uh, as a, as a, a, a Christian single people, Christian young people need to maintain their purity and their virginity. And if they've messed that up somewhere along the way, they need to con- you know, repent of that and then just continue to be th- their celibacy. And, uh, and, and that's a gift from God until the time when that's take until the time that uh, you come together in marriage with someone but just because you you are pure it doesn't mean you're better than somebody that's not right see as christians we need to understand that we may with that we're never better than other people we're better off than other people but i'm not better than anybody else when you really get down to it and you say well preacher i think you're I think you're better than a lot of people I know. I, I've seen the way you treat your wife. I've seen the way you treat your family. I've seen the way you treat other people and the way you live. I think you are better than some other people. No, that, that's Jesus. That's Jesus in me. That's not me. Because I'm, I'm, I'm as capable of the worst thing as much as anybody else is. I'm not better than anybody else, and neither are you. So therefore, I believe walking in wisdom toward them that are without is that we live holy lives, not holier than thou lives. Not that I am so much better than you. Um, and this is hard to do. I mean, but, but I can tell you that, and I'm not saying that I've, I've been the perfect example of this, but I've made the effort. I mean, I, I, I can think about 
uh, times at work to where, especially when I first started there, you know, made, made it, you know, got introduced to a couple of guys and, you know, sit at the lunch table with them. Uh, well, man, th- th- their, their talk starts getting just over the top filthy. I just, uh, I just graciously go away from the table. I don't, uh, you know, and, and, and I don't say, you know, and they might even say, oh, Jesse, you know, sorry. I was like, no, man, that's, that's fine. I said, I don't, I'm not asking you to change the way you're talking, but I just, if you're going to ask me, I'm just not interested in that conversation. Uh, I'm not interested in that story <laughs> or these stories that you're telling there. No, thank you. I, I'm not interested in being a part, but I don't even say that. I'm just like, yeah, I'm done. Get up, walk away. Uh, but, but I don't, I, I remember even, uh, uh, one time, one of the guys uh, apologized for uh, for the language that they were using, you know, in the in the area that I was working in. Um, and and he's oh Jesse, sometimes he said no, I said man, I said that's I said that's I said I'm not telling you what to do. Well, sometimes I say well don't apologize to me, amen. Apologize to the Lord, but I don't even say that often. I was like oh, I said man, that's. Uh, I said, no, I said, I mean, that's the way y'all talk, whatever. I said, uh, I said, man, I said, and we were just talking. I said, but man, there's just, and I just said a couple words in God's name, and I spoke about God's name being used in, I was like, man, those really, I said, those really do kind of bug me, but I'm not here to tell y'all how to talk. I'm not here telling you how to talk. I mean, that's between you and the Lord. It's like, no, that's whatever. Uh, But you know what? After that, they I noticed him and the other person I worked with in that area that we worked together a lot of times, they quit using those words that I'd mentioned. I wasn't asking them to uh, because that's not my goal, but just out of respect, they started doing I didn't. I didn't go in there saying, you bunch of foul-mouthed, bunch of blah, blah, blahs, and this and that, and, and y- y'all are so... No, I didn't do that. I'm not having a part. I'm not partaking in it, but I'm still being, I'm still being their friend. I'm still trying to reach out to them. I'm not being judgmental toward the way they live their lives, which we'll go to another point here in a moment. Um, And again, I just jotted these things down. Our job is to not to reform people. Did you know that? Jesus did not call us to go reform the, the world. He called us to preach the gospel to the world so that they might be redeemed, so they might be regenerated. See, sometimes it's almost like we think, oh, I'm going to try to get everybody around me to behave. Uh, well, that's not my goal. My goal is to see people saved, amen? Uh, I'm not trying to get people religious. I'm trying to get people to see that they need Christ as their Savior. And so um, walking in a way, walking in wisdom toward them that are without. Um, walking in wisdom, therefore, means patience. Uh, and this goes to something else. I'll talk about foul mouths and things of that nature, uh, the way people live. The, the way that I've thought about this for years is this way. Don't get mad at a blind man for being blind. You see a blind man running into something, a blind man runs into you, a blind man you know, runs into you and knocks something out of your hands. Well, man, what kind of person would you be to get mad at that guy? Well, why do we get mad at blind sinners that don't know any better? They don't know Christ. They're, you know, we, we don't get mad at someone who is deaf because they can't hear you. It's, it's, it's because spiritually speaking, that's exactly where these people are at. I mean, the, we are around poor people who are blinded by Satan. They're ignorant. They're ungodly. They're lost. They need to be saved. That's why they're living the way they're living. That's why they're talking the way they're talking and acting the way they're acting. They need Jesus. Of course they're acting that way. 
I'm not trying to get them to act better. I'm trying to get them to Jesus. Um, and now, that's not to say that you couldn't be, live a lot better life if you acted better. Don't misunderstand me. But that's not my main goal. My main goal is to see these people come to Christ. And, 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 and I, cannot, I cannot be the Savior to these people. Only Jesus can. So my job is just to try to live a life in front of them, walk in wisdom toward them. We'll see in just a moment, speak words to them uh, of wisdom as well that can help lead them to Christ. But ultimately, it's between them and God whether or not they get saved. I can't make a blind man see. Only Jesus can. I can't make a deaf man hear. Only Jesus can. And... And, and it kind of goes to uh, another part of, uh, of this whole thing. I want to say this, too. Um, walking in wisdom uh, to those that are without, I believe, also would include contending without becoming contentious. Now, there's some of us that do better than that with others. I'm thinking of some people that aren't here tonight that I hope maybe will listen because I know they struggle with that sometimes. They want to contend for the faith. But they have a hard time drawing the line between contending for the faith and being contentious. Just trying to fight people all the time. Uh, I really, truly believe, and now you can disagree with this. I want you to, uh, you can disagree about it, anything I say for that matter. But, but with what I'm about to say, you could really disagree with because I'm not giving any kind of chapter and verse on this. But I really do believe that as American Christians, knowing the way this country was founded, Knowing that the, 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 the Marxist left movement, I believe, was truly ultimately inspired by Satan himself. The principles of all of it are totally anti-God, anti-truth, anti-Bible, anti-mankind, honestly. So therefore, I believe that, it, that, that as American Christians, we do have arguably a responsibility to be passionate and stand for and care about our country, uh, the Constitution, uh, the pro-life movement, etc. I, I believe that's a responsibility of ours. But I don't, but I don't believe that's the priority of ours. And, and I say that to say this, going back to the argument, I have, I have people that I love and care about who are leftists. Would that, would that bother you? Would that bother you if I told you that I am friends, I have people eat at my house that are pro-choice. And I will eat at other people's house that are pro-choice. Uh, and that, uh, that, you know, support and believe in many leftist and liberal causes. Would that bother you? Uh, I hope it wouldn't bother you because why do they believe in these things? Why do they support these things? Because they're blind. They don't know any better. And so Jesus didn't say that I need to, that, that, that my mission is try to convert them to my point of view, politically speaking, even though I believe there's a spiritual element to these things we're talking about. Um, but ultimately, how are these people going to come to Christ if, I don't, if I'm not able to be, be, be friends with them? What kind of people was Jesus friends with? The, the worst. Bottom line, the worst. What kind, of, what kind of people did Jesus not like being around and eating with? Anybody? The Pharisees, the religious snobs. Je the, if you want, how, how many times? Jesus preached some harsh messages. I mean, harsh. But his messages, the harsh messages he preached, were reserved for the religious snobs. 
for the Pharisees, for the priests. Here's a woman that's been married five times and is now living with the woman, uh, with the man that she's uh, now with, not married. Jesus don't have a harsh word to say to her. He, he points out her sin, but he points it out for one reason, so that she can get right about it, amen, and get saved and come to the light. And so uh, we, we live in a time to where if we're not careful, Again, I'm talking about blind people, deaf people, people that are in darkness, people that can't see. Man, I want to be friends with these people. I want to win them to Christ, ultimately. Therefore, I'm going to do my very best to be their friend. So, walking in wisdom toward them that are without. Uh, On this point, I believe that technology has presented us more challenges and opportunities concerning welcome and wisdom. I mentioned this the other day. Now, because of social media and just technology in general, we have a greater opportunity to influence people for the cause of Christ today. We do. We have a greater opportunity to do that. But we also have, um, you know, we can find out stuff, and I told you this before, we can find out stuff about people that we didn't normally know before. You know, you, you can meet someone or you can, you can start a new job or somebody starts working at where you're working or coming to school, to your school, and you decide you're going to look them up on social media. You look up, uh, you look up their social media page or whatever, and right away you find out, oh, they are, uh, they, 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 it appears that they're pro-choice. It appears that this person's a leftist uh, or at least a liberal, and all of a sudden, okay, fine. I don't have nothing to do with this person. Or you look at it and like, oh my goodness, this is one ungodly person. Look at us. You see what I'm saying? It's like we didn't used to be able to know that stuff right away. Normally we would meet somebody and we'd get to know them. And maybe eventually we would talk about politics or or things of that nature, but for the most part, we just got, but now we know, we know so, we can know so much about people before we really know that much about people anymore. When when it comes to people who are, whether it's just out and out living an ungodly life, whether it's living an ungodly life on top of being leftist in their views, whatever it may be, uh, we've got to understand that these are people who need Christ. These are people who need somebody to show them the love of Christ. These are people that have just believed the lie of the devil. Have you ever believed the lies of the devil? I sure have. Uh, I, I'm ashamed of, uh, as a, especially as a teenager before I was saved, as a teenager, it's funny how that, uh, you know, sometimes, and it's not just teenagers, but I know as a teenager, I like the idea of being countercultural. By the way, I still like the idea of being countercultural, and there's nothing more countercultural than being a Bible-believing Christian if you really want to be countercultural. Can I say that? Uh, but I like the idea of being countercultural. So I'm kind of ashamed of some of the stupid liberal stuff that I would actually say before I got saved. It wasn't because I really believed it. It's just because I knew it aggravated other people. I knew it got on other people's nerves. Uh, and I knew that there was some, th- there was people with the music I listened to or other people that I followed that would say these stupid things. Just imagine people today that are, that are repeating everything uh, Gibran Lames says, for instance. Uh, you're going to sound like a big fat idiot. But you can't help it. You're just repeating something that somebody that don't, don't know much is saying, right? 
or some other actor or actress or, or celebrity or whatever. It's just somebody they like, and they're just repeating the things that they've heard from them. It is not, it's, it's oftentimes it's not, I, I can think about, you know, conversations I've had, walking in wisdom to them without, kind of changing gears a little bit, but just in general. I think about a guy that, that I worked with, and it's just kind of funny when you talk to people. Because I, I mentioned something, and he may have even asked me, so you're a Christian, huh? Yeah, sure am. Uh, what about you? Well, I kind of believe in some, you know, dinosaur monkey God. I can't remember what it was. Uh, and that we just all kind of came from whatever. And I'm just, and he was, but he told me it was some mystic type belief. And it sounded really cool, you know. Like, oh, I believe this, man. And I'm like, okay, he's kind of a hipster. And I'm just like, oh, I was like, that, that's interesting. That's interesting. I didn't say, oh, well, you're a fool then. You know, I mean, the, the fool has said in his heart, there's no God. You're a fool, man. I didn't say that. I was like, oh, so that's pretty interesting. I said, so let me ask you this. I said, uh, what do you believe about origins in that religion? Where did we come from? And I just started trying to have a discussion with him. And here's the thing. I don't think I asked him more than two questions before he had before he was done with like the five paragraphs he had read somewhere and he's like man i don't really know <laughs> i don't know it sound, he he had enough to where he could address a christian to start with maybe answer one question of a christian but then after that he's like man i don't really know and i'm just like oh so well man said so that well that's the thing is like in the bible you can know and, and I'm, I'm just having a conversation here. I mean, uh, believe what you want to believe, but uh, walk in wisdom toward them that are without. Uh, all right, uh, any, any other thoughts on that? I meant for that to be more of a discussion time, but I wasn't sure if y'all was wanting to help me or not. Uh, any other thoughts on walking in wisdom toward them that are without? No? Okay, good. We must have done pretty good there. Um, I left my phone down there. I don't know what time it is. Is it really? Oh, my goodness gracious. Um, all right. Well, I guess that's it then. <laughs> let, me, uh, let, me, uh, uh, let me try to uh, come to a place here to stop. So we must guard our testimony. So walk in wisdom toward those that are without. And, you know, I guess if I could say this, this is one of the main points that I feel like I really wanted to get across tonight anyway walk in wisdom toward them that are without think about that think about those around us that need jesus and walk in wisdom uh, learn what god's word says look at the lord jesus christ and try to live accordingly he goes on to say redeeming the time and then he says this let your speech be always with grace and this kind of goes a little bit to the point that we're making too doesn't it let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. We need to add some sweetness. He gives us three things that we should add to our conversation. Number one, we need to add sweetness to our conversation. Let your speech be how often? Always. Always. Uh, seasoned. What I, I lost it there. Uh, always with grace. We ought to always be speaking with grace. Grace is, is not giving somebody what they deserve, giving someone what they don't deserve. And that's what grace is. Given. So let our speech always have a sweetness to it. I love what the Bible says in Luke 4, 22. 
The Bible says that they wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of Jesus' mouth. They wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. We ought to have words of grace. In other words, we ought to get... See, mercy is not giving someone what they deserve. Grace is giving someone what they don't deserve. Our words ought to be always seasoned with, or always with grace. And then I keep getting trying to get to this one because he says, number one, we need to add three things to our conversation. Number one, add sweetness to our conversations. Number two, add seasoning. Let your speech be seasoned with salt. Hey, we should have some interesting things to say. You ever think about that? Say something interesting. Have something interesting to speak about. In other words, our words should add flavor, just like salt does. Our words should be pure so that they prevent corruption. Ephesians 4.29, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. I've talked to people before. I'm talking about people that profess to be saved. And the way they would talk, I would bring that verse to them and I would say, can you please just pause for a second and tell me what's coming out of your mouth right now that is edifying? And what does anybody know what edify means? Build up. If you, it, it's the word where we get the word edifice. You know, someone brings a, a great building, a great edifice. That's edify. Are your words building up? So three things he says to add to our speech, sweetness, seasoning, seasoning of salt, be interesting, add some flavor, prevents corruption, and also our words ought to make somebody thirsty. Salt makes people thirsty, thirsty, which leads to the, the last one, added spirit to our conversation, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. Our words, our walk in wisdom, our words in wisdom ought to make people ask us some questions that you may be able to answer them. Why do you live this way? Why do you go to church? Why do you, how about this one? Have you ever been asked this? Why are you so happy? I'm one of those people, and I know it's a little bit about personality too. Let me, let me tell you, I understand that much, but I want to give God the glory because, man, I've got joy in my heart because of what Jesus did for me. And I'm so happy that, that I freak people out sometimes. It's true. Uh, they think I'm a weirdo. I, I remember uh, sometimes I, I, I remember people that have met me, and uh, I, I've had uh, some of the, 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 the kids' friends that have come over to the house, and they, just, they, they told me later, they just thought, man, we thought something was wrong. Something was wrong. That's because nobody can be that nice. Nobody can be that happy. Well, let me tell you, to God be the glory, I'm happy because of Jesus, amen, and, uh, and what he's done for me. But, but the point is, we ought to live lives. We ought, how, are you, how are you making it through these troubles? People ought to ask us questions. We ought to live lives that cause people to ask us questions. And when they do, the Bible says have an answer for them. And, and many of you are familiar with 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, where the Bible says, Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer. Now that answer is different from the answer in Colossians, but that word answer is, where, is from the Greek word where we get the word apologetics from, which means to be able to, to give a defense for what we believe. Uh, to every man that asketh you of the reason of the hope that is within you, with meekness and in fear. So, by the grace of God, 
walking and talking and winning souls. In other words, I love how basic these verses are because he's just talking about as you live your life. As you live your life, just walk. Walk. That just speaks of every day. What you're doing. Walk in wisdom. Each step you take, walk in wisdom. And while you're walking, do some talking. And make sure that you've got, that you've got some things added. Make sure you've got grace, some sweetness added to your speech, some season added to your speech, and the Spirit added to your speech to where there's something about our walk and something about our words that are more than us. It's the power of the Holy Spirit of God working through us. And somebody says, man, what, why do you believe that way? Why, why do you go to that church? What do y'all believe there? Whatever the case may be, that you've got an answer. You say, well, man, I don't really feel like i got an answer. Well, you can get an answer, amen? You really can. Uh, get in the Word, and you can get an answer, all right? Heavenly Father, I pray that you'll help us, God, to win those that are without. Lord, help us to realize that we've got loved ones, we've got friends that are perishing all around us, and we are the hope for them to come to Christ. And I pray that you'll help us, dear Lord, to understand that, dear Lord, and to do our part to win people to Jesus. Every one of us, dear Lord. I'm glad it didn't say that we to walk perfectly. It didn't say to walk.